Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You ask people, well, what do you really want out of your marriage? I think most people would say, well, I want to be happy. But here's the thing that we don't realize. If you pursue happiness, you'll never find it. Happiness comes through love. If you pursue love, you'll get happiness. And the thing that I had in my mind, I think Cheryl does as well, is happiness is what you get when your love endures. Today, on a special edition of Back to Basics, Pastor Brian's wife Cheryl joins the talk to address wives as Pastor Brian addresses the husbands. Join us as we conclude this special marriage talk on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, in a message titled, Love and Respect. Now, here's Pastor Brian. And sometimes if you have to communicate at a little higher volume, that's okay. Don't be, don't be condemned over it. Um, it's just, in some cases, that's just the way it is. Right? Yes, but. Okay. He had spent a couple thousand dollars with one of my daughters, not telling me, it, at the retreat. It was a financial investment, and it was, it, it put us in a bind. And I was angry. I, and that's what made my fingers move on the telephone in the text. In fact, up until that point, I really didn't know how to text, but boy, did I learn fast. I can't remember the other situation, but I love the way he just like sugarcoats it because I'm thinking, wait, no, there was more to that. I remembered there was more to that, but now I'm going to stick with my notes. Respect and conflict. All right. When we have conflict, our goal is conflict resolution. We want to get someplace. We want to be better off because we've had this conflict than when we went into it. And so part of that is to be respectful as women. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Words are powerful. I know they told you sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Not true. Especially as women, we tend to remember that name or that thing that we were called. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Then Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Women often feel powerless. We are the weaker vessel. And when we can't get our men to hear or to understand, to move, or to stop, we'll use the strongest weapon we have. And unfortunately, that tends to be mean words. We say things like jerk, stupid, with emphasis. And we say dumb, dumb ahead. Only because I was raised in a Christian home and that's as bad as it can get. (laughs) But we say these things and we don't mean it. We really don't mean it. If you were a dum-dum head, we could take over the marriage. Obviously, we don't mean it. Because this is, this is what we do when we're desperate. And yet, the minute that we begin to use these demeaning words, the man shuts down, the man stops listening, and he can't hear. And we need to pray. We need to pray that we can have constructive words. 
In Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is edifying. We need language that will build up, that will move us towards conflict resolution. In Matthew 7.12, Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We need to speak as we desire to be spoken to. So there are certain phrases that shouldn't be used. Never say never. Don't say you never or you always. It's better to say things like I feel like and this is how I feel because it gives them a way out because we women are so good at assuming and presuming. These are our gifts and our curse. We, we tend to, if he says, you look really good today. Oh, that means every other day of the year, I look terrible. That's what you're saying. Or I really like this chicken. Oh, so you didn't like the beef that I cooked yesterday? You know, we have this way of assuming and presuming and reading between the lines things that never even came into their minds. I, I know that when Brian fell in love with Indian food, I was sure he wanted to leave me for a nice Indian woman who could do a good curry. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true, just like me texting him. But, you know, we assume and we presume, and we have to stop that because we, we might not mean what we say, but they pretty much do. That's it. There's no delving deeper. It's, I said you're pretty. I meant P-R-E-T-T-Y. Pretty. Or is it P-E-R-T-T? Pretty. Pretty or pretty? That's why they have to go to their phone and do spell check. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to, you ought to answer each one. It's so important that we have those, that gracious speech, those gracious words, and that we speak grace when, when we're in conflict. Again, treating them as we would like to be treated, using words that we would like to hear. That's that's going to lead us to conflict resolution and not to bitterness and anger and resentment. It is um, fascinating to me the uh, conclusions that Cheryl can draw from certain statements that I make that have absolutely never, ever crossed my mind, such as, I really like curry, meaning... I want to get a new wife who could make a good curry. Now, how she ever could get out of, I, I really like curry, that I want a new wife, I've never been able to figure that out. But um, I've seen over the years that, you know, that, that happens a lot. So I need, to, I need to be thinking ahead when I'm saying things. You know, how is this going to be interpreted? Maybe there's a better way that I could say it. So... It's not misinterpreted. And although respect is her topic, um, but I want to just jump over into it for a second because, of course, as husbands, we need to be, speak respectfully too. And um, I know, you know, I mean, guys, I, th I think we're all similar in this way. I, I don't, it's really hard to hurt my feelings. I'm just not a feely kind of a guy for the most part. So, I mean, most of everything that, she's ever said to me, just is like water off a duck's back. I don't even think twice about it. But 
I know that she's different than I am. I know that she's very, very sensitive. And if I said the kinds of things to her, they would, they would really crush her. And I would just uh, say, you know, to you men, we talked last week about, you know, never being abusive and, and not just physically abusive, but verbally abusive. And uh, I've known occasions where, you know, guys have just said the cruelest things to their wives, even in my presence at times because of the counseling I do. And I just thought, wow, you know, if I, if I said something like that to my wife, it would crush her and it would not just the moment I said it, but knowing her nature, it would go on and on. It would be very hard for her to forget that I had said that. So we need to be respectful as husbands in our, you know, the way we, the way, you know, I'm talking about allowing for the fact of conflict and all those things, you know, that's true, but we need to be really, really careful in those conflicts, in the things that we say. And there are certain things that just should never, ever, ever be said. And so find nice ways to address. <laughs> yeah, find nice ways to say mean things. That's what Cheryl just said. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to say. So, so moving on to the third point here and our final point together. And we were, we were kind of struggling with, you know, what we wanted to say on this point. And for me, I, I just kind of put the heading love and happiness. But, you know, the thing is, of course, this is the desire of every person, right? Happiness. This is the desire, I think, of every married couple. If you, if you ask people, well, what do you really want out of your marriage? I think most people would say, well, I want to be happy. But here's the thing that we don't realize. If you pursue happiness, you'll never find it. Happiness comes through love. If you pursue love, you'll get happiness. And the thing that I had in my mind, I think Cheryl does as well, is happiness is what you get when your love endures. One of the things that I find absolutely amazing is how things get better the farther down the road we go together in this relationship. And here we are after, like I said, you know, three and a half decades or so, and I'm, I'm amazed at how things just keep getting better. And again, sometimes people are, are tempted to give up. Sometimes they think, well, you know, I, the problem is I just got the wrong person and I need to get a different person. It's the grass is greener on the other side of the fence or hill kind of a thing. But the reality is that's not true. The person that you're with, ha the road to happiness is with that person, staying with that person. It's learning how to love each other. That's where the happiness is going to come. So don't mistakenly think that, well, if I could just get out of this marriage and get into another one, then everything would be perfect. No. Happiness increases Happiness in marriage increases as you journey through the seasons of life with one another. We need to stick it out because really the best is yet to come. And, you know, when we first got married and maybe those first 10 years of the marriage where we had a lot of the different conflicts and things, I, you know, I was never thinking so far down the road like, wow, when we're married 20 years or 25 years or when we've been married 30 years, you know, I wasn't so much thinking like that. But now that we have been, 
I, I marvel and say, wow, I never knew it would be this amazing. I never knew it would be this great. And I never really expected it to just keep getting better. But that's the truth. Because what's happening is the longer we live together, what we've, what we've been doing together, uh, I was 23 when we got married. Cheryl had just turned 20. Uh, we've been growing together. We've been growing in the Lord. We, we, we grew as uh, just human beings and maturity and so forth. And now, you know, we've got all this history behind us now. We've, we've raised our four kids. We've got five grandchildren. We've got different life experiences and, you know, lived in different places and have friends and all kinds of different. And, you know, we just have this life that's so interwoven. I couldn't imagine doing life, you know, without her. I couldn't imagine saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to trade her in for somebody else and, you know, try to do this whole thing all over again. No, this is, this is where we wanted, even without thinking about it, this is where we wanted to arrive at, where we've got that history and we've got that enjoyment. We've got that connection with our own children and our grandchildren and, and just all of this uh, connectedness in life. So remember this again, happiness is what you get when your love endures. So stick with it. Be faithful. Hang in there. Just know that if you do things God's way and you press through the, the fluctuating emotions and you press through those times of conflict, there's, there's blessing. The best is yet to come. All right. So respect when it comes to happiness. Proverbs speaks of a variety of types of men. You've got the fool, the wise man, the poor, the rich, the perverse, the lying, the humble, the honest, the proud, the lazy, just to name a few. But there's very few types of women. There's the immoral, there's the wise, there's the foolish, there's the contentious, which is a woman that doesn't respect or appreciate, and there's the virtuous. As far as the contentious woman, it says in Proverbs 19:13, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. These women make their environment miserable. Proverbs 21:9 says, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious woman. Pro- these are encouragement. Just take the encouragement that you get. Proverbs 21:19, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, angry woman. Proverbs 27, 15, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. These are the women nobody wants to be around. On the other hand, the virtuous woman, according to Proverbs 31, 26, opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. This is the woman that we want to be. We want to be those women with the law of kindness on our heart. On our, in our lips, but it's got to start in our hearts. According to Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth will betray what's really going on in my heart. So it's, it's got to work in my heart. If those words are coming out, then there's a heart problem that I need to work on, that I need to take before the Lord. I can't blame others for what's going on in my heart. Others only prove what's inside my heart. I have to present my heart to Jesus and say, you know what? I obviously am holding something or carrying something that needs to be cleansed out, needs to be gotten rid of, because I would love 
to have kind words be the law of my mouth, to be the rule that guards and dictates what is said. So it has to begin with my heart. According to Romans 12, 2, Paul said that we have been transformed, that we might prove what is that good and excellent will of God. It's very easy to be critical. You know, we can always find that needs improvement or must be fixed. You know, we women, we're really good at the honey-do list. You know, honey-do this, honey-do that. But we need to have the honey-done list. He's done this, and this is done, and this is good. We need to prove or to bring out or to see the good and the excellent. And that can only happen by the transformation of the Spirit. It's got to be the Spirit of God working in us to transform and to bring out that excellent. Again, it's got to be a work of the Spirit. I love this quote by Bishop Philip Brooks because he says this. He's the one who wrote um, Little Town of Bethlehem. But he said, do not pray for easy lives. And I would say, don't pray for easy marriages. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work or the doing of your marriage will be no miracle, but you will be the miracle. God wants to use your marriage. And he he wants it to be a miracle. You could say, we ran out of this. I ran out of respect. He ran out of love. But then God came and gave us a greater love and a greater respect. I'm a walking miracle. I used to spew mean things, but now Jesus is in me. And now I'm showing respect, not because Cheryl can show respect, but because the spirit of God has cleansed my heart and transformed me. And now I can show respect. We can showcase what a Christian marriage is about. We can teach this to our children. We want to be those miracles, these testimonials to what God can do. I never had a testimony. I I can't think of, well, I was hyperactive. And I did get kicked out of the junior high uh, Sunday school class for crawling under the pews during a moody Bible movie. And I had to go to the tent where my dad was preaching. But I liked that. But I never really had a testimony. I married a testimony, but I didn't have my personal testimony. But you know what? My marriage is a testimony. I can say, yeah, we used to fight. It was hard, but it's gotten better and better and better by the grace of God and by the power of God working in both of us. And I can say our marriage is a miracle. And I'm a miracle of God, just like you're a miracle of God. And God wants to make your marriages a miracle. Amen. You know, a couple of people after the earlier services have said, and and many people have said this to us in times, you know, where we've spoken at different uh, events, marriage things that I mentioned earlier. You know, people appreciate the transparency. And, you know, look, we, we don't know how to not be transparent. I mean, that's just the way. Because if we, you know, if we got up here and pretended like everything was, you know, absolutely perfect all the time, we'd be lying to you. And, but in the end, I don't think that really helps anybody. Um, what helps is when we see that God, he takes imperfect people. 
and he works in their lives, and, he, and he's patient, and he's gracious, and he works over uh, long periods of time, and he, he grows us up and develops us, because sometimes I think we wrongly get the impression that, you know, unless everything is just perfect overnight, somehow we failed, somehow we're failing God, or somehow we don't have, uh, you know, the right partner, or, or that godly marriage, or, or whatever. Not so. Not so. It's a process. It's a process of God's grace that is bringing us all ultimately to perfection when we leave this world, but, but along the way, maturity, becoming more and more like Christ. So in closing, I want to just finish up by taking us back to 1 Corinthians 13. We read this uh, last week, and I wanted to read verses 4 through 7 again. And um, then I'll just make a couple of quick comments and we'll wrap things up. But there in verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is defining the word agape. So he says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. Now, when we read that, if you're honest, you think, wow, I don't have any love. I don't know anything about, I'm, I'm not like a lot of this stuff. Uh, the, the one that stood out to me this week is irritable. You know, Cheryl's very sensitive to me being, me being irritable. And when I get irritable, she inevitably thinks that I'm looking for that wife that can make the curry instead of her. Um, but sometimes it's just as simple as, well, honey, you know, actually I ate a pint of ice cream last night and sugar, you know, uh, you know I have a problem with sugar and you know it can make me irritable. So it has nothing to do with anything personal about you. It's just my blood sugar levels are low and I'm sorry. But, but as we look at this, we all see the reality is that we fall short of this, right? But here's the great news. There's somebody who lacks not in the supply of love, and that somebody is Christ. Christ has an endless supply of this love, and what we do is we tap into that. Because remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love. How, how am I going to become more like 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4 through 7? I'm going to become more like this progressively as time goes on as I just stay connected to Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. He is the vine. We are the branches. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So listen, draw on that endless supply that he has for you. Go to him. As a husband today, if you're feeling like, you know, man, I just have been failing as loving my wife, go to the one who has the endless supply of love. He'll, he'll provide you with it. As a wife, maybe you're feeling the same. Go to him and ask him and know that he'll supply it and he'll keep supplying it over and over again. As often as you return, that will be available to you. Love never fails. And that's where we have to Remember that it's, it's all about loving one another. And as we do that, these other things, they all fall into place. And 
it's good. It'll all be good. For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. The world is divided over issues like race, gender, sexuality, and health. But there are even greater divisions in the church, divisions over doctrines. But how as we as Christians move past doctrinal divisions in an effort to maintain unity, but without compromising the essential truths of Scripture? Well, in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides a guide to help you prioritize doctrine according to four different ranks along a spectrum of doctrinal importance. This book will challenge you to consider the balance between faithfulness to God's Word and the need for Christian unity. If you want to be as effective as possible at advancing the gospel in our time, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order, Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. Tomorrow, we'll be taking a break and beginning a special two-part Christmas message titled, Christmas, God's Great Rescue Mission. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.